You're listening to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions. The Move to Value podcast is dedicated to helping healthcare providers understand and make the transition into value-based care. We do this through conversations and the sharing of innovative ideas with practitioners, experts, and leaders throughout the healthcare industry. Our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team by cultivating a value-oriented, compassionate, and health-aligned community. Today, we're here with Mark Dunnigan, Chess Vice President of Health Informatics, to talk about interoperability, what it means, why it matters in healthcare, and how better access to patient data for the entire care team will lead to improved outcomes for patients, all at a lower cost. Mark Dunnigan, welcome to the Move to Value podcast. Thanks, Thomas. Glad to be here. So, Mark, today I want to talk a little bit about interoperability with you. So, can you first off explain what interoperability is? Well, in the in the simplest terms, interoperability, at least in in my travels, is a is a metaphor for a conversation. Um, think of it like provider A wants to talk to provider B about patient Mark, and it's a, a means of of making that happen. And why is interoperability important for healthcare? Well, I think in line with the the metaphor of the conversation, you know, I think 50, 7,500 years ago when you you only had one physician and they knew everything about you, you know, maybe it made sense. But in modern times with, you know, the, the various ways of, of receiving care, um, you know, it, physicians don't know everything about you and there's no way for those forms that you fill out, you know, annoyingly so when you go to the physician's office can express everything that has happened to you. There's interoperability is, is the key to that. Again, to know where Mark's been and, and what happened to Mark and, and why it may have happened. Well, Mark, can you share a real world example of how interoperability provides value to healthcare? Well, I can, and it's it's part and parcel of of what we do on on the value side. Uh, literally every day, um, we receive uh, what we call ADT feeds. Uh, it's basically a a notification that you know one of the patients under our care uh, has has recently checked into uh, a hospital, or has recently, depending on the uh, the depth of the ADT feed perhaps been seen out of network or gone to specialty services or whatnot. But that ADT feed, that um, that 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 notification that, that one of the lives that we care about has been touched in some way by healthcare entities around us gives us information of, that, that we need to know to intervene appropriately, that uh, if someone is, has been discharged home, that we can, you know, abide by our contractual obligations to check in on them, that if someone has been seen out of network, perhaps, you know, seeking high cost, high value services, that we can make sure we understand what and why, and again, provide, you know, appropriate care management or interventions to to help them with that. So again, you know, that is part and parcel of what my teams deal with every day and a, and a huge part of, of of the services that we provide. With, without that form of interoperability, we would we would struggle to to provide the value that we do. That's fascinating. So so we've established that the need for patient data exchange between providers is very important. How can we how can we continue to close this information gap? How can we make this a better exchange? There, there's there's a million answers to this. I mean, I think the the foundational elements 
to to make interoperability real or are there and to be honest with you have been there for some time now granted what becomes interoperable meaning the data that we need to share continues to expand you know of late you know care plans and then the ingestion or the sharing of perhaps behavioral health information you know the 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 breadth of the data continues to expand, but the notions of interoperability have always been there as far as the structure, you know, the 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 shape, if you will, of the data and how it's exchanged, and then kind of the the language, the nomenclature, the the codified values. There there are at least examples um, uh, in in standard terminologies that that can be used for for most everything. I think, you know, for me, the struggles, if you will. Um, continue to be around, you know, adoption and certain EMR technologies take certain liberties with how they interpret those standards, you know, certain certain entities, you know, I won't point fingers at payers, but let's just say if it were a payer, perhaps they don't necessarily communicate things in a timely fashion or in a structure that's, you know, so easily recognized. So I think there's the technologies existed for some time. I would say that you know there's there's a need, if you will, to expand upon adoption of those technologies, and for everyone to kind of agree to agree on certain interpretations. So as technology advances and we begin to see real time interoperability, how can that improve outcomes? Well, I think you know again the the example of the transitional care that that ADT feed I referred to is is probably you know one of the better examples of you know if we if we are to intercede and prevent a costly event or know that someone's condition has degraded to the point where they might be at risk for a fall or for uh, an emergency room visit or an extended stay in a hospital. You know, that's that's where value-based care, where care management, some of the services that we provide can can intervene and prevent, you know, you know, further degradation of healthcare or bind together these disparate healthcare teams where, you know, a primary care provider and a specialty, um, maybe even a skilled nursing facility all need to kind of coordinate together to make certain things happen to, to the betterment of the patient. Knowing that information as quickly as possible is 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 completely vital to what we do. I would say there's also a very reasonable example where the timely access to data uh, is important to us as well with respect to, you know, a big part of value-based care is quality measures. And quality measures basically says, you know, you are judged by your ability to uh, conduct cancer screenings, let's say. And in order for us to to know that that a payer has recognized that that gap has been closed, we we need timely access to claims files. And if we can't get that timely access, although we can say all day long that look, we can see that data in the EMR, we know that gap has been closed. If that payer doesn't necessarily recognize that, if we don't get that file back and they say, hey, we recognize that that this has been closed, um, we suffer. You know, it may mean that we don't get paid in time, which means that we aren't able to pay our payers in time, or that uh, we spend time trying to close the gap where we might have spent that time somewhere else uh, to the betterment of another patient. So you touched on this a little bit earlier, and I was hoping that you could elaborate a bit more on some of the barriers that you've seen to interoperability in healthcare. Before I speak to the barriers, I think I would just reemphasize the fact that it's 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 my impression that uh, 
that the technology to support, you know, what I would say is 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 true interoperability, true bi-directional conversations about the health of a patient exist and arguably have existed for some time. I mean, they have evolved and they will evolve, but I would say the the the, the baseline technologies exist. I would say the the barriers are in interpretations of the standards and maybe the implementations of certain technologies where, you know, certain vendors, let's say, take some liberty, like like for those of us that know the dirty word of CCDAs and, and what those are, you know, those are those are XML constructs that are kind of the the envelopes or the um, the trains that carry the data, the train cards that carry the data between systems. They have both a, a human readable and a machine readable section. And, you know, it's completely legitimate. It's a well-formed document if a lot of the valuable information we're looking for is buried in textual evidence in the human-readable portion of it, but that's not necessarily machine-readable. So, you know, it comes down to context and interpretation of some of these standards that I think is 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 a continued barrier. I would say that there are some creative forms of of information blocking. Again, I won't necessarily point fingers at any particular vendors or or any other entities, other than to say that, you know, even in our world, the uh, the dragging of feet, the the less than timely response to requests for additional information, or um, uh, let's say less than cooperative. Um, integrations uh, with with on-site systems where, you know, it's a kind of a could versus should or would we, uh, where politics, uh, where, you know, the uh, lack of willingness to share information based on, you know, certain entities maybe fighting for, uh, for footprints in certain geographical areas gets in the way of an altruistic exchange of information to the betterment of a patient. And again, for, forgive my political correctness, but, you know, politics and revenue do come into play in this world. And I think they are barriers to true interoperability. So the next question was about standardization. But although you've touched on that with your previous reply, what else can you add about the need for standardization? Well, I, I would just affirm the need for standardization. And, and standardization and flexibility, or maybe the better word is extensibility, meaning you 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 have a set of standards, but you agree that they must move and evolve and extend themselves as kind of the the data that we that we take in, you know, as we're moving towards whole person care, you know, treating the whole person and, and expanding to to care teams, not just providers, but maybe expanding a definition of providers beyond the traditional it's a it's a doctor or a nurse. That that the standards must expand, but standardization itself is is absolutely necessary. And even even after all this time, I could I could say that I've been in interoperability since it since it started. You know, I don't want to give away my age, but it's substantial that you know diagnosis and procedure codes I think are finally where we need them to be. But you know, we we run into challenges every day with you know labs, with medication, with textual evidence that we know is indicative of some other diagnoses that are probably hidden somewhere in there. And there's a number of technologies that can assist with that. But nonetheless, it's not readily apparent. There's there's other hoops you have to go through to get that. So, you know, the more standardization that is that is that is uh, put in place, the more the the marketplace itself agrees that, you know, this is the way we must communicate that about Mark, the better for all. And do you see value-based care demanding a greater push for open data exchange? 
I, I do. I mean, again, you know, it, it probably comes down to the definition of, of value, but I would say that that value-based care is is well on the continuum or certainly a lever to be pulled in what I would call whole person care. And when you you start to think about taking care of the whole person, you know, mind and, and body and, and maybe even spirit, if you will, um, that brings about the need to, to talk openly and where some of these barriers I talked about before, whether they be geographic or, or business related, uh, hopefully not political, but it's, you know, sometimes that comes into it too, that that those barriers, you know, are removed. And, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, we start to talk about barriers, and this is going to be maybe a partial answer to some of your other questions. But I, I can remember I, I was chief architect of uh, one of the larger statewide HIEs, and, you know, its mandate was, was only for state-paid services. But when the COVID uh, the COVID uh, pandemic hit, you know, there was a there was an urgency to those that were only sending a, a piece of their health records, you know, and again, but think about all the hospitals in the state, you know, sending like only certain portions of their record, that everyone opened the doors, opened the floodgates and sent everything in, in response to what was perceived to be the greater good. And that was monumental and I, I you know I would hope that it would take another disaster of that proportion for us to say hey it's the right thing to do agreed so mark I appreciate your time and this conversation today but I do think that there's more to this discussion would you be willing to stick around for a bit longer to answer a few more questions yeah I'd be glad to this is the move to value podcast powered by chess health solutions we hope you have enjoyed this episode If you would like more information about this and other episodes, you can head over to movetovaluepodcast.com to check out all of the available resources. If you're interested in continuing to hear about value-based care and how it impacts you, you can sign up for our email notifications or subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, we would love it if you would share the Move to Value podcast across your networks and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening.